Welcome to Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective podcast, where we meet experts from all walks of life to learn their intrinsic motivation so that they can share it with the world. What do we have in store today? Stay tuned to find out more. Okay. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. This is another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am David. And today we have a really good guest. It's actually, we're getting an exclusive today. Her, She has an upcoming memoir, Solo by Choice, and she is speaking with the homies first to introduce her to the world. And let me just give you a little bit of her bio, because I'm sure you guys are going to be chomping at the bit after you hear about her intro and want to know more about her life. And so for more than 30 years, and until this gentleman's death, our guest was his mistress. And she was a, his mistress. This guy was more than twice her age. He, had a man, he was a man with five children. And you're like, wow, how did this happen? Was it a fling? No, for over 30 years, they had a relationship. And in fact... She was friends with the lover's widow as well, so she had good relationships with his wife, and she's going to tell us about the adventures of her life as a mistress. She's also going to talk about why affairs are not always about sex, so get your minds out of the gutters, folks. She can also reveal what she wishes wives knew and also how they could affair-proof their marriage. Her upcoming memoir is Solo by Choice, and she's going to talk about her life as a mistress and why she made the decision to live free from marriage and children. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Patty Houch to the podcast. Welcome, Patty. Good morning. Welcome to you as well and your listeners. Yes, yes. Thanks, thanks for uh, our exclusives. I'm really happy about that. And it's really interesting in today's, uh, I guess in 2018, there's so much that has changed with the traditional a dynamic of dating or marriage, and you have a, a portion of, of the population that no longer wants to get married. They no longer want to have children, and it's not the traditional, you know, go to school, get married, white picket fence, and ride off to the sunset, and you sounds like you are a little bit ahead of your time. So if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you want to write about it. Well, the reason that I wanted to write about it is, as you said, it was kind of unusual when I did it. And it was a, it was because I hadn't really seen that many marriages that were the ideal marriages that we all think of. And, and you're right, I was brought up to go to school, uh, get married, and have children. That was what was expected. And I found that that did not sit well with me. And I went to college on a scholarship for physics. And it was so... I, I wasn't dumb. And as I saw things, I said... There's got to be another way. And um, finding the man that I found was 
just it was almost it was it was by accident we certainly didn't think that it would turn into what it turned into but um that's the uh, that's my background i uh and i was never particularly anxious to have children anyway and because of my education there was so much i could do uh and having a husband a legal marriage and children um put a crimp in my style so to speak uh i would continue to have to ask for permission when i wanted to do something not the same as your parents but still if you want to do something you check with your husband first if you have children you think about their position and what you're doing if it will hurt them if it will help them uh all of that stuff i didn't have to go through so i was free um and i found a bunch of adventures of again strictly by accident but they were there so that's kind of the background david oh i love it i love it and uh, i'm a big fan patty of, of movies all genres i like comedies i like dramas i like horror movies too and last year was the 60 year anniversary uh and this isn't a movie but a tv show it was the 60 year anniversary of leave it the beaver and so you know you had to be even wally and all and you know it was just a snapback a, a, a flash of the of back in the black and white tv era of defined roles was that like a horror horror show watching watching those defined roles in, in june cleaver well at the time i was young enough that it wasn't a horror movie and <laughs> it was um but yes if i were to look at those episodes now i would be i would be glad that i chose what i chose <laughs> and um i i don't think that i could i could handle that um knowing what i know now and the freedom that i had by not doing that i think that uh uh i think that would bother me to do it their way and and along those lines you know in 2018 again you know we have this me too movement and you know women are actually uh, speaking out about transgressions that happened to them 20 30 years ago and the question was you know why did you wait 20 or 30 years and they were like well it wasn't the environment that i felt i could do it you know guys and their women fellow colleagues actually ostracized them for stepping out and and speaking their truth what was the environment like in that you didn't fit into that cookie cutter role you know it was a lot easier than you think it might have been um it was I was recognized as being a little bit different and that freedom actually got me a lot of the jobs, businesses, friends, uh etc that I uh ended up living my life that way and it was like I said I still look back on it when I'm writing the memoir now and recognized how easy it was. I didn't I mean I made my way in a man's world 
And it was, I probably, I'm trying to think now of a professor in college and one other time I might have run into someone who said, you know, you don't belong here. You're supposed to get married and have children. And, um, but not as often as, not as often as you might think, even back then. Um, I think it just surprised people. Uh, and, and the more I did it, the more the confidence in myself that I could do anything at any time was, um, it, it was a great strength and it helped me to, to, to move forward in my life. I love it. I love it. And, and let's go back before you mentioned the example in, in college. And I love the fact that uh, we're always taught that the more, whatever you focus on expands. And so you had, a mil- uh, let's just say, a million great instances and maybe one or two bad. And some people have an inkling to focus on those two bad experiences and you're like, totally disregarding all of the million good ones. So I love that you didn't have that outlook. And I do want to go back to childhood because, like you said, um, especially, you know, until recently, there were lines in the sand, women or little girls mature faster than boys. And, you know, up until like fifth grade, you know, they're head head over shoulders over boys as far as their academic uh, acumen. But then it seems like junior high school and such, that changed, and they were kind of moved away from the math and sciences. And what, what was your childhood like with regards to with that scenario? Did they try to point you into, like, home ec, and you were like, no, that's not for me even as a little child? That's it. <laughs> you, you, hit it you, you, you hit it on the head. Um, it's um, my mother, certainly my father did not expect me to do anything other than get out of high school, find a fella, get married, and have children. And when I wanted to go to college, that kind of blew their mind. And, and then I got the scholarships, and it became a little bit harder for them to fight that then. And um, it was my science background, my education was – just it was everything to what happened to me as I grew older. I loved to learn. I loved school, and it was. And the sciences are the science background is interesting because it teaches you that it's okay to fail. Um, the excitement of uh, experiments in the classroom—you didn't get it right all the time, and when you failed. Um, it just meant you got another chance to do it right this time. And sometimes it took a, took a bit. But that became, in my mind, um, again, a strength because it didn't bother me when I failed. I just figured I'll try again and I'll do it. And eventually I did do it. But the, um, but the background in the sciences all education is just so important. And um, as you grow up and you start meeting people in business, the way you talk, what your, what your background has been, it comes out when you have a conversation with these people and they know that you're educated. They know that 
you are curious, uh, that you want to try new things, and that you want to be very good at what you do. And that is, that's the carrot that you dangle to someone who's thinking of hiring you. Because that's a good person for them to have. I love it. And uh, Patty, are you familiar with Joe Rogan? No, I don't believe I am. Okay. So I'd like to make a recommendation. So Joe Rogan has this podcast. He's huge. And the reason why I bring him up is yesterday or two days ago, he had an interview with Elon Musk. And so in two days, I think oh. they're at eight, nine million, uh, 9 million views in two days on YouTube. So you can do a quick search for Elon Musk, and it's huge. And as a fellow scientist, he talked about different scenarios that failed. And Steve Jobs is, is popularly known or famously known for saying failing forward. And you pretty much talked about how uh, you can't live a perfectionist life and trying to overthink and thinking there's only one solution. Could you give a an example, uh, either in the past or recent or, or recently, where there was you were going in one direction, it didn't turn out the way you wanted to, but it led you to where you were ultimately supposed to be. Interesting question. Um, I think I for many years I. Uh, started and owned a business as a um, an investment advisor, the stock market. And I was at the at the time the idea of charts, you know, showing on the ups and downs and all that sort of stuff, was in its I'm not going to say its infancy, but it was new. And I ended up. Um, I just wanted to be an investment advisor. I just wanted to manage people's money and do a good job at it. But when I started looking at the charts, I started seeing patterns. And I ended up, um, inventing is the wrong word, but I made a, uh, a system that would uh, time the stock market. In other words, we could tell when the market was about to go up and when the market was about to go down. And I ended up licensing that to the largest um, um, newsletter writer at the time. Uh, Fabian was the name. And um, I didn't expect when I just wanted to manage money that I would become well-known for something that was, I guess it's an offshoot, but certainly not what I intended. Um, but I will tell you how many times I failed when I tried to make the system. If I had not persevered, if I had not looked at it another way, if I had not, da, 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 it took years. And, um, but what I ended up with, you know, was a gold star. That, that's a... I mean, that's huge, especially time in the market. That's a, We can go in another direction, but I really want to stay focused on why you're here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll maybe have you back on for that because uh, I, I actually I love that. So in the, I'm a big software technology person. Oh, okay, good. Um, but, it still works, by the way, the system. And It uh, does? Awesome. Yeah, there's, another, there's probably another book in there in a year or two. I would think so, just because you said that, you know, the, I know it was on 60 Minutes some time ago and, and some other uh, news shows where uh, the big 
firms on Wall Street had access to software or let's say pipes for data before the layman would get it. So oh, yeah. you know, even if it were three minutes or five minutes before the layman would get it, they could leverage that and make millions of dollars. So it's good to know I'm actually talking to someone that was at the beginning of, of developing those type of software. Yeah, it was a um, – I'm, I'm amazed that it still works, and yet I'm not because uh, I stayed with logic, and as long as there's a, a buyer and a seller uh, and we can get the data, it'll work. Anyway, um, like you said, we don't want to get off on that tangent. Well, I, I think there's, there's a parallel because in the, there's the fact that uh, you were talking about perseverance. And, and, you know, many people hear that as far as, uh, you know, platitudes and what have you. But you said it took years for that to ultimately ultimately happen for you in that vein. And, you know, you're living your life, and potentially I'm sure there were some pangs or, you know, as guys say or women say, their clock starts ticking, and they're like, well, what's wrong? I'm not on this trajectory that was supposed to be predefined for me. And you kind of persevered through that as well. Um, so I, I think there's some parallels, and I'd like for you to talk about, an instance where you were, you know, it sounds like you were getting, you needed, it sounds like you needed to, as I understand your timeline, you needed to have some kind of um, uh, proactive, not proactive, but you, you had to be, um, not proactive, what am I actually, empowered. So you had to be empowered to have some of your own time to actually figure some of these things out for business. And at the time it seems like there wasn't enough room to actually have a relationship and let it grow that way. Uh, did you feel that you were trying to serve two masters and having a relationship life versus your professional life? It would have been difficult for me to have had um, a, a marriage and children when I was uh, dedicating myself to the to the system and 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 making that and making that work. I don't know if I could have done it. Um, because there are so many, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Your time. I mean, your time is everything. And, you know, um, a marriage uh, and children take up a lot of time. And so when I was working on the system, I didn't, I didn't really have that problem. Uh, and what I chose to have in my life that was similar to a marriage um, still gave me the freedom that I needed and the support, and uh, and I was able to accomplish both. And I think that's important for for particularly women to understand that they can have what they need, but they can also have what they want. All they have to do is change the timeline a little bit on their lives. And um, if you put off marriage, you can have adventures first. And that makes you a much more interesting person when you start looking for Mr. Right. Uh, and you will have, you'll, you'll just be full of stories and adventures and this, that, and the other, and you'll end up being a, a better wife, and I think a better mother, if you choose to still do that, 
later in your life. And, and I'm not talking talking 60, but if you waited until you were 30 and took those years out of school and saw life, enjoyed life, and uh, it would just, I'm being redundant here, but it would make you a different person and a better person, I think. Yeah, I remember, uh, she just recently passed, uh, Francis, Dr. Frances Crush-Welsing. I remember she had come to speak with us when I was in school, and she said that you really don't know yourself until you're 28, and, you know, you're saying that to a bunch of 19, 20, 21-year-olds, and they're like, what, what yeah. are you talking about? And, you know, you're, you're, you're saying that, yeah, it sounds like you prescribed to that as well. And what I see, I'm over 40, so I know a lot of women that, took the route that you did, you know, to climb the corporate ladder and such, and they kind of split in the late 30s in that they felt like they missed the boat, and then others tried to go into their traditional route, and it was like, how can I? I mean, I've broke through that <laughs> that myopic view, so, you know, they were, at least today, not married or without children, and our, our first our second podcast was about there's no accidents, and we talked about a bunch of coincidences and, you know, all the synchronicities of life, and I think that's where I'm going to steer you next because you felt that there, it was an accident that you guys got together, but what was, it was a work environment, or how did you meet this gentleman that was twice your age? Was he your mentor, or if you could give us some he was, background? He was my boss, um, and uh, I was... And it was actually my first job per se uh, as uh, uh, being by myself, and uh, and I needed an income, obviously. And I just got this little job at a automobile dealership, and he was the sales manager. Uh, and it was just one of those things. Uh, neither one of us ever thought that it would amount to anything, I think, other than just some pleasant get-togethers, but it did. Um, and it lasted, for, it lasted for a long time. And I was young enough at the time, I was 24, I was young enough at the time that I needed to learn a lot of stuff. And he was 48, and he had... He'd seen most of it, and he was happy to teach, and uh, and he was also happy to let me try on my own, and he was just the support that was there. So it was it was a great combination for a young woman who needed someone who'd already been there and done that to uh, give her some guidance when she was shooting herself in the foot, which happened. And um, I, I credit him with a lot because of that. But he was my boss. So now, let me uh, just jump in real quick. I wanted to ask you, so in the beginning of this relationship, and this, you know, this question might be, well, maybe because I've seen it from TV or 
or you know just general thoughts. Did you ever experience at any point in time, especially in the beginning, where you went through you wanting him? Oh, I want you to leave your husband, your wife, and we'll be together forever. Or did you always see it as a, for what it was, and you were comfortable with that? I saw it for what it was, um, and it was I. There was never any thought of that, at least on my end, of uh, for. Um, leaving what he had uh, and it was it, it, let's get crass for just a second if he had asked me to marry him I would meaning that he would have to get rid of it, um, I probably would have said no um, and because I liked the life the way it was and we provided for each other something apparently that we needed and um, I was just I was happy with that but no there was never any thought at least on my part as I said to um, make trouble for him so to speak I wasn't interested I was interested in us but I was and as it turned out, I think because he knew he was safe, um, that's when the relationship started with his with his family, with his wife and his children. Uh, we went into business together, and it was just natural that I meet the family and get to know them, um, and I. I and I was very friendly with his wife, uh, and um, she's a lovely, lovely lady. And I say that in the past tense because just in the last couple of months she passed away. And um, it was, um, I'm sorry about that. Uh, it was, um, you know, I feel feel badly, but she was 93 years old. And had 14 great grandchildren. That was her life, and that's what she wanted her life to be. And um, and I don't believe we ever hurt her because I don't think she knew, which is amazing. I think she. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think she knew he had someone, but she right. didn't think it was me. Maybe because of the age difference. Maybe because we were good actors. Who knows? But um, and I—that's why I'm laughing because I—I I, <laughs> I mean, we. This is called intrinsic motivation from a homie's perspective. As a guy, I know that I have to work on developing my intrinsic or the uh, subconscious, right? But women have that sixth sense built in. And you've been in business <laughs> environments where you're like, I'm not going to do business with this person no matter how much they're smiling in front of me. Like, there's a sixth sense you have. And I think on some level she had to know, you know, but she was she just like, to. well, but, yeah. Which, give, you know, which just ups my respect for her because mm-hmm. we did things together. I mean, we weren't, you know, I didn't, I didn't see her that often, but we were always friendly and um, 
to see us together, you would not think in your wildest dreams that she knew that her husband was, let's just say, seeing someone else. Uh, and uh, I I could have asked. He would have told me, but I chose not to. In one of our previous podcasts, Patty, we were talking with uh, an expert uh, psychologist and a psychotherapist, and she was talking about uh, past life regressions, and she was talking about Akashic Records. Are you familiar with Akashic Records at all? Uh, could you say that again for me, please? Sure. Are you familiar with Akashic Records? No. Okay. So Akashic Records is uh, a, a school of thought that, you know, it, it's our personal if you will, a uh, spiritual library, and that you can kind of tap into it and find out about past lives. You can find about, uh, not so much about future lives, but you find out about equations and different scenarios. And the only reason why I bring it up is, you know, as a person that was, was trained as scientists, you're, you're looking at equations all day. And I was just wondering that, you know, when this started happening or it started developing, if this gentleman didn't have five children, maybe if he had one kid or the kid was younger, would the different scenarios have made a difference in your decision? It might have made a difference in his decision, hmm. but it was, um, we became very good friends very quickly. And, and the friendship, I think, was what carried it on. But, um the the five children were when i first met him his youngest was 12 and 13 years old so um and his oldest was older than me by a little bit and um but his wife was what he called mama bear and she took care of that she took care of the kids and she saw and his role changed as they became older and became adults uh and but if his situation had been different when we first met would it still have happened i think so the answer to your question is i think so it still would have happened um and and also, when we were into the relationship a little bit, I found out by accident that I wasn't the first, and at least by one. And um, there had been someone before me. And that changed my way of looking at things. Um, but, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't want, well... I wasn't going to get him all to myself because he was already married and had a family. But when I found out that there had been someone prior to me, um, a much shorter relationship, uh, and I don't know that much about it, but um, it, she actually, had, she was in a bad marriage. She was also married. Uh, and she took her own life. And I think 
that information when I got it changed my way of thinking about things um, and how you're going to ask. I it's it's hard it's hard to say. I just knew that there was there were more things on his plate than I would have thought that there were. And um, it just helped us become closer friends. We never talked about her. I don't even know he knows. I never knew if he knew that someone had told me about her. And, um, but it made a difference uh, to me. But the friendship, like I said, just got closer because of it. Patty, let me ask you, so during the course of your relationship, was there any room for you, I mean, we're all human beings, and let's say, you know, you met someone, and then next thing you know, you hear someone else that you have feelings for, um, was there uh, any room for you to say, hey, you know, well, we're doing this, but there's someone else over here I kind of have feelings for, and I want to be able to see them just kind of like how he's married, but he's seeing you. Um, once I, there, um, I moved around a bit before I met him. Uh, and there were a couple of other fellows. Uh, but the, um, once I met him, there was never anyone else. Not for me, anyway. Uh, for him, there might have been at the beginning, but then it was, uh, you're going to chuckle at this, but once love came into it, it, it was pretty one way, as far as I was concerned. Um, he made me happy and uh, gave me what I needed, and as often as we saw each other, which is very often, um, we just didn't need anything else. I mean, he had someone else at home, but I did not. And that was my choice. I could have, uh, but um, I met a lot of very interesting fellows, but I was not interested. Once I met him. When when you said you weren't interested, it, it makes me think of of just my personal experience in undergrad. Right, I, I am like pinching pennies and <laughs> eating oodles and noodles. And we had guys like professional athletes, and I, I, it, I went to school here in Atlanta, so you know it's Black Hollywood, if you will. So you you had the athletes, you had actors that were in their you know mid twenties, early thirties, and they're driving on campus, around campus, in these nice flashy cars, and I need gas money type of thing. And so, you know, the women tried to, they gravitated towards them. Like you were saying, the dynamic was there. They were more mature. They were a little better established in life. And I wanted to know, like David was asking about the others, did you start developing a type as far as going after older women, or the other guys didn't cut it because they were maybe your age? Um... I'm going to take you back to when I was young to start answering that question. 
my mother's favorite phrase was boys and books don't mix boys and books don't mix i was not allowed to date she had to find me a date for my senior prom so when i went to college i was on my own for the first time and there were um and i was dating young guys that were my age and um no offense but they didn't do anything for me um i believe the phrase i used was uh uh, raging hormones and clumsy hands (laughs) and i needed um i wanted to be um a good woman for a man and I realized that I needed a man to teach me so I went looking and uh, it was and I found that person um, the not not the gentleman we're talking about one prior to him and um, but he was he was much older and um, but the lessons I wanted to learn he could teach me and he did so it was I think a lot of what happened in my life was because I took control of my life when I was still relatively young and realized what I needed and where to find it and I went looking and I got it and I guess I've kind of been that way my whole life Um, and I've been very lucky I've been very fortunate Um, but again I made my own luck because I had a good education I knew the right people I was I was lucky the day I was born Uh, I mean it started there I was I was healthy I was in a middle-class American home and frankly I was white so I had things going for me if I wanted to take them and I did want them Uh, and um, it a, a lot of people could do the same thing not everything I did but if they did if they can take out of the book some of the stuff that I did, um, they too would be, uh, where I have a different life. Not necessarily great, but I mean, a, you know, a very different life, but just enough. How many of us, how many of us and how often do we think, what if, what if I had done it this way? What if I didn't do that? what if what if what if um that's human nature mm-hmm. let me flip it on you as far as the, like you're saying the equal rights standpoint in that uh, you traditionally you'll see uh let's say a salt and pepper haired gentleman with a younger lady on his arm and on some level it's it's accepted you know there some people may wince but but now in 2018, you have a lot of women that, like you were saying, they they 
uh, kind of eschewed the traditional roles, and now you know, they're they're C-level uh, people in the business world and made a way for themselves, and you know can write their own write their own path. And they're looking back like, well, all the all of my peers, my older gentlemen partners, are dating these younger women. What about me dating younger men? I wanted to get your take because, like you're saying, uh, the dynamic is definitely different where women's maybe looking to learn from a man. What's your take on older women dating younger men? Um, I guess it just depends on the person. Uh, she finds something attractive in the younger man and he and the older woman. Um, can it reverse itself from what happened to me? Absolutely. But it depends on, you know, where you came from. What do you need? I needed an older man when I was young. Uh, and for all the things that he could teach me. Um, an older woman looking at a younger man, um, excitement comes to mind. Um, why she would why she would do that. Um, but it could just be that they didn't pay attention to the age. Um, they became friends. They liked each other. They made each other happy. And um, and if they, in particular, if the marriage certificate is not part of the equation, then um, I, I can understand that um, right now in my life, I wouldn't mind um, maybe even getting married now. Um, only because I think you, you need and want a partner as you get older. Uh, you need the support uh, and, um, and the friendship and everything that comes with it. So, and I've, I've, I've lived my adventures and, uh, and this book will be another one. Uh, and somewhere out there, there's an, uh, another man. I doubt for me, however, that it would be a young man. Um, but not necessarily the, you know, the lady that you see in the next room. She could have a totally different way of looking at what she wants and what she needs. And uh, uh, that's fine. So, Patty, let me ask you, you... You were in. The, you mentioned that uh, the gentleman that you were involved with had a relationship before you, and then of course you had a relationship with him. What were? What do you think the reasons were for him to seek a relationship outside of his marriage? What was like miss, missing for him that made him, you know, go that route? I don't know. I think about it often. Um. Uh. I never asked him. And he never volunteered. Um, but there must have been something. Um, something. Something was missing. Um, people change, and and if you know, as they as they get older, um, they see more things, they experience more things. Everybody changes, and if you 
think you're not going to change or that your partner is not going to change. Um, you're, you're looking for a, a tough road there uh, because it's going to happen. And it's not deliberate. It's just the way life is. And um, apparently he saw something in that lady that he needed. And um, and like I said, I know that she had a very bad marriage, so she needed someone. They might have just started talking. And um, that's the way most of them start anyway. Most, any relationship, you just, you start talking. And you realize that that person makes you feel good. And um, And when they make you feel good, that's when the questions start in your mind about, you know, I must, I'm missing something. Why, this makes me feel good, why don't I have it now? And when it becomes possible to have it now, um, that's when the second and third relationships start. It's not necessarily anybody's fault. It's just that as people change, holes appear in their lives that they didn't know that they needed to fill. Uh, and if they can find someone who can help them fill that hole, it's a very compelling feeling. Now, I don't want to write this off, but I, it's a question that I, I have to ask. So with him meeting you, and he was 48, and just for this argument, let's say the previous relationship before you, he was maybe 44. How much, you know, the argument could be that he was going through a midlife crisis, and that's why he started looking around. Do, do you put any weight on, on men and women going through a midlife crisis and reevaluating their lives? I think it's possible, sure. Um, you know, we're putting a word on it, midlife crisis, but um, I, I think it's back to you know, people changing. Now there's holes, and you're looking to fill them. And particularly for for people who are working, usually the guy, if not both, you know, the husband and the wife, you are confronted with people all the time. New people, different people, and um, it's tough not to say what if, and um, or be talking to someone and suddenly have a feeling that you haven't had before, or that you suddenly go, "Wow, you know that that felt good. I, I can I can talk to them about that." And it's, um, for my fellow and me, it was the friendship. Um, he used to say that um, if you were very, very lucky, you might have five, and he'd lift up his hand with his five fingers, you might have five very, very good friends in a lifetime. And... Um, I mean, the, the the perfect friend, the friend you can say anything to, the friend that would forgive you anything. Uh, 
what you hoped your wife or husband would be. But it's not necessarily going to happen that way. If you haven't seen it, there's a there's a book and a movie called The Five People You Meet in Heaven. Are you familiar with that? <laughs> I have to tell you no again, but uh, tell me. Yeah, I think you'll you'll like it because it's you know it's a it's it's been out for years. I'm sure you can get it on Netflix or whatever. <laughs> I was gonna say Blockbuster, but yes, I'm sure you can get it on yeah. Netflix. And and it, it's one of those where the the gentleman dies. I think it was John Voight, and you know he was living this uh, quote unquote linear life. But when he passed, he ran into five people that were so instrumental in his life, they had a huge impact for him moving forward. And they weren't the people that he thought about. And so on some level, outside of this conversation, maybe somebody would say, this, this gentleman that we're talking about for you, you know, it would be maybe one of his five children or his wife or his parents. In, in many cases, it, it's not. And so the movie's good because you can't really anticipate how much of an impact. And, and while, they were, while he was living his life, he probably didn't see it as such. But for you having such an instrumental part of um, what wasn't traditional, that it may stand out, and I think the movie may resonate with you. I wrote so, it down. I will get yeah. the movie. It sounds yeah. good. And on that note, while you're right, movies down, I'm a big movie guy. So uh, God bless him. He, he, just, he passed away a couple of years ago. So Robin Williams, he's oh, yeah. known for all his comedic movies, but he did a movie called Final Cut. And in that movie, if you're not familiar, he's working at a uh, – he's kind of like a – lack of a better term, a fixer. So when a person, they, uh, a person is born, they had a chip implanted, and it recorded everything in their lives, from their waking moments to their sleeping moments and, you know, dark – all darkest moments, whatever. And so when you, when you die, you would hire someone like a Robin Williams – he would go in and he would cut out like infidelity and all this. So you had a nice Hallmark uh, video that you could show at your funeral. And it's just really interesting to show how many layers we have. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think you'll like that one too. Yeah. yeah. And I want to ask, yes, the final cut. And I want to ask you about the women's intuition again because I, I am an entrepreneur and, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of the married ones, um, when they were hiring their assistants or their sales staff or something, they kind of laugh because they're not ultimately maybe the person they would have hired because the happy wife, happy life. The wife came in one day and saw the super hot secretary, <laughs> and that secretary was no longer working there. And so it was interesting that, um, you know, that yours was allowed to develop. And I was just wondering if you see that um, throughout people you deal with, like you're like, on the surface, people don't think they know. Like, I knew at work, oh, you could tell when that romance was going to happen, even though they thought they were hiding it. I was just wondering if you see it in other, other uh, scenarios that you find yourself in. Not recently, but back when we had just met, uh, my fellow and I, um, Yes, you could see that, um, and often, not always, I guess, but uh, uh, it was, I was, I was it, it, taken aside 
by one of his top salesmen and one night at a show and um i was given a warning about seeing him meaning everybody knew and uh it was it was too late for me by then i was pretty much uh starstruck and it was but it had happened to him he used his warning uh to me by giving me the story of when he met a younger girl and had an affair if you will and um and it was and she wanted to marry him and but he wouldn't do it and he said the same thing is going to happen to you but see he was assuming that I would try and break up what as you had asked before and um I wasn't um I wasn't interested in that so but those sorts of frequent uh friendships partnerships they go on i think it's pretty natural um particularly when you're in that area of um i've 20 to 50 really uh and it's just i think it's just natural because people change if people didn't change um and i don't mean that in a negative way if people didn't change we wouldn't have these problems mm-hmm. you'd have found your your number one and he would have stayed number one and it, and it still happens there are perfect marriages out there but they're not as prevalent as you might think the prevalency comes the other way and um it's uh, whether the people want to admit it or not um i just didn't want what was exciting and good and necessary in my life to change and um when he retired i moved um but it was many 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 years later as you know mhm it's 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 you know going back to the leave at the beaver you know ward was home at 4:00 or 5:00 when the kids got home from school and it's not like that today i mean you have people that are used to working 50 60 70 hours a week and it seems inevitable that the person that you're in proximity to you're actually spending more time at work in many cases than you are at home and yep. so you're like you're like you're saying you're troubleshooting you're working through equations you're problem solving conflict resolution all the above that you're not getting at home and so you're kind of as a in a I'm not talking about my own life hopefully <laughs> but I'm just saying that it, you actually have like two personalities and so it's like you mm-hmm. in the work world we always laugh and joke and say oh that's my work wife or that's my work husband and it's because of that so it seems inevitable on some level that relationships would start but it's up to the person to see how far they go 
And yes. speaking with you, it, it just seems interesting in, in 2018 where, you know, social media exists and like you said, your relationship was different, but the colleague that warned you was dealing with a woman that may have put all his information out today on social media, you know, even if he didn't that's want true. that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's very true. That's very true. And, um, I mean, I appreciated what he was thinking of. I mean, uh, he was friendly with me, he was friendly with my fella, and he didn't want either one of us to get hurt. Uh, and he assumed, assumed that what had happened to him with his friend was going to happen between my fellow and I. And um, that at some point, somebody was going to say, I want only you. And you have to make changes so that we can be together. And um, that becomes very difficult, particularly with an older fellow with a big family. And um, But again, I wasn't interested. He never heard it from me. And um, he, ne- he never would. Um, and it was... Um, we were we were right for each other when we needed someone like the friendship that we had and um in in my case i think i got the the better half of it uh and um but again i was free uh, we saw the best of each other because there wasn't a piece of paper that said that we had to stay together. We both knew when we were together that either one of us could walk out the door at any time. So we were on our best behavior. I saw the best of him and he saw the best of me. And um, of course we had no idea that we would want that for 30 years, but it happened. That's why I enjoy talking to you. I mean, the, the, the length of the relationship, even outside of the, the quote-unquote, like you said, uh, getting the paperwork done. And I think the, 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 the one thread that is the same is that with, with you and then the gentleman that warned you was the woman's decision of exploiting or not. And, you know, when you look today at 2018, the, the statistics are, you know, 50 to 60% divorce rate but over 70% of those making that decision to get divorced are women. So women ultimately kind of steer, or what's your take on, on, on that as far as women making that decision of, you know what, I don't, I think I, I thought I wanted this white picket fence lifestyle, but I don't, maybe. <laughs> I need to read Patty's book and see how the other half lives. Well, um she might have initiated a, a di- divorce, but we don't know why. Um, in, in other words, it, it could be something as simple as sitting down in the chair and, and talking to herself about what ifs. But it also could have been because he was doing something and he started it. And now even now because of that, she wants a divorce. So it's it. there are lots of reasons that the woman might choose to, um, and I often think about that too. If she, if his wife had known, um, and she insisted that we stop seeing each other, 
Um, I don't have an answer for that question because it didn't happen. At least I don't think it did. And um, uh, but that would have been that would have been difficult, um, depending upon when it happened, because we just got closer as the years went on, and it would have been. Uh, and when I just to make a point here, uh, when I moved, um, it w- when he retired. He was showing up every day at the house, and I knew that this was not going to be good because he didn't have an excuse anymore. He wasn't working. And when I moved, I moved across the country. Um, In a year, he was there. Um, And he took his vacations with his wife. Um and came to visit every year for several years. So, again, solo by choice has got a lot of twists in it, and um, (laughs) to say the very least. But um, um, people make choices, and they make choices that they then have to to live with, and... um, like I said, I think that I was very fortunate uh, to have met such a classy and wonderful man and his family, and um, I like to think that it was all good. Patty, let me ask you, uh, we're getting to the top of the hour here, but let me ask you, did anyone in your family know about uh, this relationship? No. No. No, I had, uh, when I went to college, I went away to college. My mother wanted me to go to the little Catholic uh, thing on the top of the hill, community college, and be taught by the nuns. And I said, uh-uh, mm-hmm. not going to happen. Uh, and um, so, but it was, I didn't meet him in college. I met him after college um, and after a few years. But um, I when I started taking control of my life, when I was in school, I made up a story about a fellow named Mike, and he was the boyfriend. And uh, I made a story about who he was, not a, you know, no details, pretty simple story, but I kept that story. I kept it for years and for decades. Um, Same name, same guy. And um, it was, uh, and I I came up with a picture once too for my mother. Uh, And and it was accepted and people didn't, um, after a while, they didn't ask any longer why I didn't bring him with me when I came home. Or this, that, and the other thing. They just realized that I didn't want to talk about it, but I was obviously happy, and um, and I was left alone by my family. But no, they they never knew about um, anything really. Just that um, I was straight, 
and mm-hmm. um, but it was um, not anything that I wanted to share. Mm-hmm. And um, I was a very private person, became a very private person, because with my relationship with him, I had to. Uh, it was, um, I mean, we, we, we got, our lives were, were protecting each other, protecting him so he didn't get in trouble, protecting me so I didn't get in trouble, uh, other people knowing about the relationship, etc. Um, the details, uh, how we did that were actually quite simple and, um, and it worked, obviously. But um, it's, well, um, I, as I said before, I feel extremely privileged to have known him, and he was a classy fellow. His wife was classy. Uh, his kids were a handful, but uh, the... Um, I think that something like that is available today, but it would, it's always available. You know, if you do it right, if you put all the pieces in the right place, you're going to get a picture on the top of the puzzle box. And it's going to be um, a little bit more difficult, though, because of social media. Right. Everybody's got a phone in their hand. Everybody's got a uh, a camera in their hand, uh, and uh, it would be, as I said, it would be much more difficult to maintain a relationship like we had for as many years as we did uh, in, in today's world. It could still happen, what? but... So, Patty, I, I, I referenced a few movies earlier, and I wanted to know about the movie Solo by Choice by Patty Houts. <laughs> Any plans for that? I think it would make a great series. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would... Uh, uh, not, a, not a sitcom, certainly, but um, it's... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody snaps it up and tries mm-hmm. to do a movie out of it, or a series, if you will, TV, TV series. Uh, it has everything that most people would want, um, and, and, it, and it's full of surprises, uh, and it's full of suspense, uh, and it would... Probably make a great movie, yes. Awesome. And since this is an upcoming memoir, when can we expect the release of Solo by Choice, the book? I'm, I was hoping by the end of this year, but I think it's going to be early next year. Ah. And um, we're in the rewrite. It's written, but it's in the rewrite stages, and the editor is, and the publisher is chosen. We just need to get the, uh, get the material to them. Uh, and um, so I'm going to say probably January, February. Okay. Well, usually we, we leave this point 
that's part of the interview so people can leave their social media <laughs> yeah. and websites and such for people to get in touch with you. Uh, how do you work? Do you want to still stay uh, pretty reclusive so you can get it done, or do you want to put your information out there so people can get in touch with you? Oh, I think we can put the information out there. Um, it's um, uh, we need to do some we need to do some pre marketing. So my editor says, and uh, so it um, certainly the uh, my name um, uh, or or would you rather put it out anyway? <laughs> Patricia Houts at soulbychoice dot com. Okay. Perfect. And then they'll they'll follow you, and then when it comes out, you know they can always reference this. And thanks for the exclusive. And I will say we know her win before she became famous with the book and the movie and the tours. <laughs> oh yeah, the speaking engagements. That'll be a, that'll be the questions that are going to come will be Absolutely. very interesting. I'm sure. Absolutely. Well, you have just been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I'm David. And and the supreme, most famous author slash movie director, it was a pleasure, Patty House. Thank you. I enjoyed myself tremendously. Thank you for being on. Thank you. Take care. Have a good day. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again for checking out another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective podcast. Please check us out on our website at intrinsicmotivation.life where you can click on the speak pipe button and leave any suggestions for a future podcast that you'd like us to cover. Also check us out on our social media sites. We have a YouTube channel, Facebook page, iTunes podcast, in addition to Stitcher and Google Play, all under Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. Check you out next time. Have a great day.